Hallelujah. Praise God. This is Reverend Rosner with you this evening. Thanking God for bringing us together again around the table of his word. We are going to open our study with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for all that you've done and are doing for us. And we come in agreement today asking, O oh Lord, for eyes to see, for ears to hear, for hearts that understand, for revelation of truth that makes us free. Lord, we pray that you will take us to a higher level in you to experience every blessing of the cross. And we know that as we walk in obedience to the leading of your Holy Spirit, we will be blessed because you are faithful to watch over your word, to perform it in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, today's lesson will focus on another facet of obedience. The message is entitled, Obedience, the Mark of a True Disciple. In our last lesson on obedience, we saw that God instructed Abraham to walk before him and to be perfect. That same directive that God gave Abraham uh, found in the book of Genesis, chapter 17 and uh, verse 1, is what he is still instructing every person who desires to be part of what he's doing. We must not make light of these words because this is how we will fulfill our roles in the present and future and big and in the big and in the small uh, spiritual battles of life. Being perfect before God has to do with our obedience to him. In um, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus made this statement that if anyone desires to come after him, that he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, the cross, what is it exactly? The cross is where God's will intersects our will, and we yield to his will. The cross symbolizes obedience, and its grace, its strength empowers us to obey. Hallelujah. When we are willing, we can be and will be obedient to the word of God because the grace inherent to the word is present to work in us. Hallelujah. Obedience is therefore a matter of the heart. So a life of, um, let's say, self-denial or a life of sacrifice, when we hear the word cross, pick up our cross, does not necessarily imply 
that we are following Christ because there could still be rebellion in our heart against God. The only way we can truly submit to God is to willingly pick up the cross, counting the cost, and still decided that we are taking up the cross. It means putting to death our own agenda and desires. If we do not lay down our lives, we will find a way of fulfilling our own will and our own personal selfish desires and even use scriptures to back them up. So we must truly, if we are honest with ourselves, we must then focus on only the one person who can show us what it is to have a perfect heart before God. And this is our Lord Jesus, who is our ultimate model. The Bible tells us in John chapter 5 and verse 19 that he only did what he saw his father do. Hallelujah. And so laying down our lives um, implies uh, letting go of everything that will stand in our way. Uh, in other words, we have to let go of our own personality, our own reputation, uh, our flesh. And um, we, we have to let go of them. Uh, we have to, uh, to, to let them fall into the ground and die. Amen. Um, that means leaving Jesus' words that he spoke in John chapter 12 and verse 21 when he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it brings forth much fruit. Amen. So this passage actually speaking of Jesus' death. Jesus was the corn of wheat that he speaks of here, which is the seed, and he was willing to lay down his own life. And out of his death, um, burial, and resurrection came much fruit. Uh, you know, when Jesus came uh, unto the earth, he spent 30 years living perfect family life. And then the three and a half years, the three and a half years that followed was his public ministry. And now we see that uh, um, almost 2,000 years of intercession. And we see that Jesus lived and preached Everything that he taught. Everything that he taught. And it's important uh, that we ask ourselves if we are prepared uh, for that level of commitment, that level of determination, of perseverance, of patience, 
of diligence and faithfulness to the end. Hallelujah. Jesus was faithful to the end. And even now, that was the end of his earthly ministry. But even now, as we just said, over 2,000 years, he's seated at the right hand of the Father, faithfully fulfilling his high priestly ministry, that is to intercede for us. Hallelujah. The Bible says that he intercedes for us forever. Hallelujah. And so um, the, the Bible tells us that we must actually search ourselves. For example, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5, we are told to examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. It says, test yourself. Do you not know yourself that Jesus Christ is in you? Unless indeed you are disqualified. Amen. So we ought to examine ourselves as to whether we are in the faith. And although the issue at hand in, in that passage was uh, the Corinthians' presumption in evaluating Paul's apostleship, but the core of the matter goes back to the condition of our heart. And for that, the Holy Spirit says that we are to test ourselves as to the genuineness of our faith. In Matthew chapter 5, we find what is uh, usually referred to as the Sermon on the Mount. Amen. And in in, in, in that chapter, uh, we find the type of life that we as Christ followers are called to. Uh, to quickly summarize the first, uh, let's say, 16 verses, we are told that we are to be poor in spirit. We are to be mixed. We are to hunger and thirst after righteousness. We are to be peacemakers. We are to be pure in heart. We are to be merciful. We are to rejoice when persecuted. We are called to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Hallelujah. Just in those 16 verses. Now, Jesus demonstrated this lifestyle and more during his earthly ministry. And this is what is required of us in order to follow his example and be his disciple. Just think what was Jesus' last public appearance in the eyes of the world. It was on the cross. He was hanging on the cross, naked, beaten, bruised, and even pierced with a spear. And then he reappeared on the earth later on. But how does he reappear in the earth? He reappears in the ministry of his disciples. 
he dropped to the ground, died, and came out the fruit. Hallelujah. So, joined by his Holy Spirit, who now indwells us, we are his followers. Hallelujah. As his church, we are endeavoring together to understand the extent of Jesus' final words to his disciples, spoken in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Jesus, before saying, actually it was his final goodbye, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Hallelujah. So that was part of Jesus' final message before ascending into heaven. He had a few more words about tarrying in Jerusalem and the coming of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. But this here is part of that, those, that final message that he had for his disciples. Now, God has brought us into the world for what the Bible calls such a time as this. In other words, the time that we live in, the place of our habitation, the family we came into, everything that concerns our life was determined by God because he has a mission for each and every one of us and especially if we are part of his family. Amen. In the midst of all the problems, the trials, the, the, the chaotic conditions of the world that we now live in, Jesus' disciples are called, still, regardless of what's happening, to observe all things that he has commended. That command that he, that he gave 2,000 years ago still holds true right now, actually even more so today. God requires from us our willing obedience. Hallelujah. That's part of the observing all things. Willing obedience. Obedience which flows from cheerful, sincere hearts. Hearts that are humble before him. Hallelujah. Um, Hearts that have been birthed from his eternal and boundless love for us. Without the cross, we would be completely unable to love others and even love ourselves. Our salvation from sin and its effects are actually blessings that come 
when we obey the word of God, to, which commands us to believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then supported and maintained by our yielding to him instead of relying on ourselves, on our own strength um, and resources. Instead of being self-confident, we become God-confident. Hallelujah. Our response to him must therefore be expressed through the very nature of who we have become in him. That is, we belong to him. We now have his nature. We have his ability. We have his love in us. We can love him because he first loved us. So everything that he has given us, who he has made us, therefore must be expressed in all that we think, in all that we say, in all that we do. The life of a disciple is summed up in what is written in Acts chapter 17 and verse 28, which tells us that it is in him that we live and move and have our being. Hallelujah. Praise God. In him that we live and move and have our being. So notice what Jesus tells those who have already put their faith in him. Hallelujah. In speaking to his disciples in John chapter 8 and verse 31, he says this, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. Hallelujah. Continuing in his word, which means to obey and do the work that the word, that his word demands. Because to every word, there is a corresponding work. The book of James chapter 1 tells us that, verses 22 to 25, that it tells us that we are to be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Actually, let me go ahead and read that passage, James 1, verses 22 to 25. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goes his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Hallelujah. So we are being told here that if we do not continue in the word, we are actually fooling ourselves. You know, that doesn't sound nice. I'm sure we don't want to hear this. You know, we just feel like saying, ouch, when we hear something like this. It hurts. Well, yes, because 
It is the doers of the word. In other words, those who obey and follow through who are blessed in what they do. As we mentioned the last time, it's not enough just to get saved so we won't go to hell. Or, you know, to go around thinking that we now have joined a nice little social club. You know, it's not about having a fire insurance policy. It's not about socializing with another, although both are good. Yes. However, we have to continue in Jesus' word if we are going to be his disciples. And this ought to be the goal of every Christian. Amen. The Bible should influence what we believe in every aspect of life. And we're talking about our marriage, our family, our education, our profession, our social relationships, our finances, our health, amen, our attitudes on moral and social issues. The Word of God has instructions for everyone of these areas, amen. But you know, there are many born-again people who they love God, at least they say so, but they still hold viewpoints that are completely opposite to what the Word says. There are some who deliberately disobey God, and I'm talking here about Christians because unbelievers are already living their own lifestyle and they are, you know, their father is the God of this world. So I am not addressing them. We are speaking here about those who call themselves Christians who deliberately disobey God out of what the Bible calls worldly wisdom. You know, the book of James um, in chapter 4 and verse 17 reminds us that To the one who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Hallelujah. When somebody knows better but does not live up to what he knows, the Bible says this is sin. And then again, Proverbs 14 and verse 12 teaches that there is a way that seems right poor man, but its end is the way of death. In other words, destruction will follow in the lives of the disobedient. But I believe that most people are deceived and and they regret and regrettably they are deceiving themselves. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 through 9, warns us. It tells us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Hallelujah. 
So we see that the enemy is about deceiving people. Deception has always been his weapon of choice. Therefore, there are things that we must do, steps that we must, uh, that we should take to make sure to avoid what the Bible calls the snare of the devil, or that we are not taken captive by him at his will. And we start by actually keeping our eyes wide open to what is happening around us, to make sure that there is no seed of deception. And we must have this heartfelt desire, this attitude of mind to be vigilant while thoroughly evaluating all things. The Bible tells us that we are to test the spirit, amen, to ensure that we will not be moved away from the basic truth of the word of God. You know, in the limited time that we have, um, you know, of this study, we cannot look at uh, all the requisites for true discipleship. However, we're going to look at uh, some of the basics. First of all, disciples, we find that disciples continually have their minds renewed by the word of God. We come to this conclusion in the word itself. Hallelujah. That disciples continually have their mind renewed by the word. You know, too often believers, uh, their minds are not renewed. And they don't truly know the word and they don't truly love God. They don't understand what it is to, as we read in Matthew, to observe all things, the words of Jesus to his disciples, that we are to observe all things, Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20. If we are going to be true disciples of Jesus, we can't decide to observe only the parts that we like. If our attitude, our doctrine, or our worldview does not line up with the word of God, we need to change. We need to change these things. And not the other way around. That is to try to change the word of God to accommodate our viewpoint. We cannot continue to hold views that are completely contrary to the word of God and call ourselves disciples. The battle for being self-independent is actually over once we declare ourselves born-again believers. We are to be God-dependent, we are to be God-assured. 
And this great commission that we just read in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, it's about making disciples. He says, go and make disciples. Jesus didn't say go and make converts, just converts. And we must be willing to be true disciples of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Secondly, we find out from the word of God that disciples learn to walk under God's authority and also in the authority given to them by God. So we have to be surrendered to God's authority, and secondly, we are to use the authority that we are given to, by God. Obedience to God, the way the Bible tells us, means that we must submit ourselves to God's authority. And it is then that we are positioned to resist the devil. You know, all power belongs to God. And we have been given the authorization and the right to use it when we are rightly positioned. You know, it is said in um, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 8 concerning Jesus that he loved righteousness and hated iniquity. And he was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. Jesus made this statement about himself in John chapter 14 and verse 30. He said, the prince of this world comes and has nothing in me. In other words, Jesus was saying that there was nothing in his life that belonged to the realm of darkness. He was and he is light. And he constantly walked in the light and could therefore always overcome any kind of darkness. Because when the light shines in the darkness, the darkness cannot overcome the light. Hallelujah. Therefore, obedience, Holiness, righteousness must go first before we can effectively rise up and fight against the enemy. This fight, this resistance must be on all fronts, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. We should not give the devil any room and place in our life. We are instructed in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 1, that we are to cleanse ourselves from all, not some, but all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. You know, that is the key to a fruitful and successful life. Let's remember that God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt so that he could bring them into 
the promised land. So he brought them out of a place to bring them into another place. Out of Egypt, which symbolizes bondage, into the promised land, hallelujah, which is the blessing of God, the, the freedom of God, the, the, the prosperity that God has promised them. In the same manner, we Christians, we are delivered out of sin, not for the purpose of living for ourselves, but so that we might become more and more like Christ. Our goals must align with God's. Because if our nature does not change, we will invariably find ourselves entangled in the same problems and failures. Amen. By our nature, I am not speaking about our reborn human spirit because that has already the nature of Christ. I'm talking about a renewal of the mind so that we can bring into alignment what our reborn spirit has become and what our reborn, I'm sorry, our reprogrammed, our transformed mind is the way it is operating. Amen. They must be in alignment. They must be one. There must be a marriage. Otherwise, we are divided. Our spirit is telling us one thing, and our mind and our flesh is pulling us in another direction. So we are to have the mind, walk with the mind of Christ. Otherwise, we will invariably find ourselves entangled in the same issues by the same demons. Failing, you know, the same way we had failed in the past. Why? Because we haven't learned any better. In addition, to be a Christian, we find that it means growing in the fruit of the Spirit and bearing fruit for the kingdom. And this is not an option. It's so essential that it proves whether we are true disciples or not. If we are not bearing fruit, according to John chapter 15 and verse 2, we can expect to be cut off from the vine, who is Christ. It's that important. However, Jesus did not call us to cut us off, but to help us to abide in him so that we can live the most fruitful, the most purposeful life that we could ever live on this earth. And here again, I find that this is where many are deceived. We have wonderful promises. Therefore, we see many blessings ahead waiting for us. And many people, they mainly concentrate on the fruit, on the blessings ahead. Yes, we ought to think about them. Yes, we have to walk with a purpose in mind, but the first and 
The first purpose is to abide in Christ. Abiding in him means that we do not just focus on the blessing or on the fruit itself, but on the one in whom we must abide in order that we can bear fruit. We must focus on the giver rather than the fruit or the blessing. Apart from him, we learn in that same chapter, John 15, that we can do nothing, but that in him we can do all things. And God wants us to bear much fruit and to be glorified in our lives. So bottom line, matter of choice. Because as we saw in our previous study, obedience is a matter of the heart. Amen. Jesus said in uh, John 15 and verse 7, he said that if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. And uh, so we are to understand that if we are indeed abiding in him, we can only ask that which his will uh, desires. Amen. We can only ask what it is his will anyway bring glory to his name. Hallelujah. Praise God. Um, But you see, Jesus doesn't stop there. He goes on in verse 8. He says, by this, actually let me go back and read John 7 so that we can show into verse 8. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Verse 8, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Hear your words come back again. Disciples. Amen. One of the ways it is proven that we are true disciples is not just by bearing some fruit, this is bearing much fruit. And the greatest demonstration of our bearing fruit is our love walk. The scriptures are very clear about what love is. Without love, all our works become vain, we are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me go ahead and read verses 2 and 3 of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Amen. Therefore, what we've 
find out is that the pursuit of love is something that we definitely want to give the highest priority. In Jesus' own words, he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that God is love. Hallelujah. The fruit of the Spirit is love. When we are walking in love, we are operating in the nature and the character of God himself. himself. Moreover, the Word of God is also clear that those with true faith in God will live for him. Those who really believe in him will be devoted to him, to knowing him, knowing what pleases him and what he expects of us so that we can do what he says. For true discipleship, you know, really there are no other options. Let's consider again Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 that we saw earlier, and then we'll read the next two verses. So I'm going to read for, from verse 24 to verse 26 of Matthew 16. It says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whosoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 26. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? You know, anyone who is more focused on this life and in producing for this life than for eternity does not understand true discipleship. The one who truly grasps the truth of the gospel will do all things for the sake of the gospel. Amen. All things for the sake of the gospel. This does not mean that we cannot be successful um, in certain secular activities or even having a profession such as God calls us to be a teacher or an engineer, a lawyer, an accountant, a doctor, and so forth. But that even as we are doing it, all of that what we are doing, all that we do is unto the Lord. We are representing God here on this earth. We are his ambassadors. And we are not working or living for just ourselves. It's not about just making money. It's not about our own pleasure. It's about pleasing God. True disciples do not live for themselves, but for him. The truly redeemed, the Bible tells us, no longer belongs to themselves, that they were bought with a price and now belong to the one who purchased them. Hallelujah. This is found in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 to 20, telling us that 
We are no longer our own. We don't belong to ourselves. We were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. His life, he gives his life for our lives. So now we belong to him. Jesus taught again his disciples. And he says in Luke chapter 14, verses 34 to 35, he says, so likewise, whosoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's neither fit for the land nor for the dunghill, but men throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is very strong language. We see, many people who hear that, they drop back from this instruction, just as the rich young ruler did, if you remember, story of the rich young ruler. When Jesus told him, you are doing wonderfully, but one thing you like, give all you have and go follow me. He walked away, very sad. But you see, what Jesus, it didn't mean that we necessarily need to go out and give everything that we owe to everyone. What Jesus saw in this man, in this rich young ruler, it was rather than having the riches, the riches had him. So God had to deal with this man's heart. Amen. So what does it mean? It means that we are not to consider anything that we have in our own possession as ours, like this, my possession, but rather that we, it is something that we've been made a steward over. And as good stewards, we operate with God's wisdom. We don't just freely make decisions about anything which do not belong to us but that rather belong to the master. So we ought to earnestly seek the will of God about how to, you know, what kind of decisions we are to make about what he has entrusted into our hands. We are stewards. Amen. And having this mentality about what we call our possessions here on the earth will help us abide in Christ. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus told his disciples, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I, I tell you to do? Amen. And he says that whoever hears his, you know, his word and, you know, and, and doers is, and does the word that that person is like a man who builds his house on a firm foundation. And when the attacks of the enemy come, like the flood, uh, the wind, the, the, the storm, he says the, this person's house, meaning his life, will not fall because it is founded on the rock. But the person who rather builds on the sand is the person who does nothing. And we know that sand is shifting. 
So not doing anything with God's word, not living out God's word, not being doers of the word, means that we are building our house on sin. And when the attacks come, because they surely will, he says the person's house is going to fall and the ruin of that house will be great. This is a, a parable here that we can find in Luke chapter 6, verses around verse 46 to verse 49. Amen. So what must we do? We must be about building our house on the solid rock, who is Jesus. And Jesus is the word of God. And so, hearing the word is not enough. Because that is deception. It makes us feel that we are safe when actually we are in danger. If indeed Jesus is our Lord, then the one whose authority we submit to, we will obey his command. And it's not about being in church several times a week and not living according to the word because that will not profit us. As we said earlier, true discipleship is about being a doer of the word, which is demonstrated by devoted obedience to God's word and not just hearing that. So if Jesus, who was the word himself, took his stand on the word when, challenged, when challenging the devil, how much more should we know the word and take our standing life on it. Hallelujah. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, most of, most of us know this verse. Jesus said uh, that if you abide in my word and you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So the scriptures are clear about the definition of a true disciple and true freedom. True freedom comes by living by the truth, by God's word, above all the cares and worries of the world, and from not being bound in sin. Hallelujah. This does not mean that when we are talking about freedom, that we have no responsibility and we can develop a carefree attitude. Uh, in fact, we are responsible for the things of this world that we are made stewards of. And because of our solid foundation of faith in the Lord, we can be trusted with more responsibility. So to live by faith in the Lord instead of in the conditions of this world, is to live in a kingdom that the Bible says cannot be shaken. 
God's kingdom cannot be shaken regardless of what happens in the world. That is true freedom. Hallelujah. Praise God. So while we may not want to hear this, you know, many of our spiritual battles are not going to stop until the character of the Lord Jesus is formed in our hearts. The Lord's goal in delivering us from trouble, it's much more than simply, you know, making sure that we are free of burdens or, you know, or that, you know, we, the, the devil is no longer, you know, after us. The specific reason for which God, is, you know, directs everything concerning our lives is so that we can be conformed to the image of his son. And this is what Romans chapter 8 verse 29 reveals, that God has predestined us to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, our victory lies in our complete surrender to God's ultimate goal, his ultimate goal, his final goal, his objective, hallelujah, which is our complete transformation into the likeness of Christ. This is what it's all about. Hallelujah. So how many of life's lessons have we learned through doing it the hard way, going through the school of hard knocks? You know, sometimes these stories make great testimonies if we survive them, that is. But I'm sure that we all know that there is a better way. The Word of God is full of the good and bad experiences of many men and women of old who, you know, went through different difficulties, amen, and they were placed there as examples for you and I, Um, and studying those examples is a much better way and a lot less painful way to learn, I find, because we can gain wisdom and understanding and make decisions that allow us to avoid mistakes and terrible consequences that come through um, trial and error. We are told in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, now it says, all these things happen unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Hallelujah. So God made sure that he gave us plenty of examples. We saw all kinds of mistakes that they had made. And we also saw all the terrible consequences um, that they had to deal with. And actually, we are still experiencing a lot of the consequences of some of these mistakes. We looked at last week how Abraham 
went with his maidservant, Hagar, upon, of course, Sarah's recommendation, uh, so that he could secure himself a son, an heir. When God had told him that it was Sarah who would, uh, the child would come from Sarah, his wife. And so, whatever God commands, we have to remember that it's for our good. Whether it appears to be pleasant or it appears to be an, an inconvenience. As God keeps reminding us, if we are willing and obedient, we will eat of the good of the land. Willingness must be from the heart, followed by complete surrender. God demands and rewards obedience to him. Hallelujah. Most Christians walk in obedience to God in the hope of being delivered out of trouble or to have a good life. But more importantly, we must understand that God is calling each one of us to obey him out of love, out of a pure heart, out of a sincere heart, hallelujah, knowing that it cost him the life of his son. Jesus gave it all for us, hallelujah. All aspects of our spiritual life, including the battles we face, is to conform us into the image of Christ. And the more we become like him, the more we can love him as he desires and deserves to be loved. And the more we can also love our neighbor as ourselves. Nothing of real value is truly possible if we miss the one objective of our faith, which is our conformity to the nature of Jesus in our hearts. Hallelujah. So finally, let me say that everything, um, in everything, we are to put God first. When we wake up every day, there is a battle to be fought. Our arch enemy makes sure that we have plenty of opportunity to disobey God and to fail in our Christian walk. But as we continually yield ourselves to God, surrendering ourselves by faith to him in pure love, not fear, but love, we literally build a solid stronghold of his presence in us and around us. And this translates into a life of peace, of security, and of rest. The Bible says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You know, the world has nothing that it can offer us that is really worth it. Peace. The world cannot give us peace. Hallelujah. Peace comes from the... Prince of Peace, who is Jesus himself. And our peace comes from being so confident in God's love that we know that regardless of the battles and difficulties that we may be facing, that greater is he who is in us than who than he who is in the world. 
Therefore, true discipleship means knowing that as we dwell in that secret place of the Most High, that we are pleasing to God and that it is well with us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your presence in our midst and for the revelation of your word concerning growing in obedience to you and developing the image of Jesus in us. We thank you for impressing in our hearts that nothing of value is possible if we miss that one objective of our faith. Thank you, Father, that your wisdom is available to us for the asking. You have provided it to us in Jesus Christ, in your word, and by your spirit dwelling in our hearts. Father, in Jesus' name, we come against every lie the enemy is erected in our mind in his attempt to keep us from surrendering to your Lordship and from attaining Christ-likeness. We take hold of the mighty weapons that you've given us in the name of Jesus as we pull down strongholds. We cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God in us. And we bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ in Jesus' name. We rejoice, O Lord, that as the nature of Christ is formed in us, that we stand ready to revenge all disobedience and declare our victory over every spirit, over every situation, every circumstance in every area of our lives in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for the privilege we have to come boldly before your very throne of grace, to find grace, to find mercy in time of need. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to walk continually in Christ, in reverence to you, and go ever closer to you for your glory and for our own rejoicing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Now to him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. We thank you for being with us this evening, and we invite you to join us again next Wednesday at the same time. God bless you again, and have a good night.